simple steps to faith walk. Many people believe that being saved means that you have to give up everything you think is fun or that your life has to change overnight. Our faith walk is a journey that begins with a simple step. A personal journey to the best love affair you will ever experience. A love affair that focuses on relationship, not rules or criticisms. I want to break down this love affair through applying biblical principles in a practical way. So I invite you to take this walk with me and share it with anyone you want to experience a selfless, active, unconditional love. Join me in unlocking the simple steps. Hi everyone, welcome back. I am Kathy Goodall and I would like to thank you for joining me on Simple Steps, The Faith Walk. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome and feel free to go back and listen to the previous episodes. So last week we were able to look at what does a Christian look like? We're able to talk about or typical stereotypes around Christianity and what a Christian should look like. Growing up, especially in the Caribbean, so many of us have heard so many different stereotypes around what our hair should look like, what our clothes should look like. And, you know, we came to a really interesting conclusion. So if you want to hear about this exciting discussion, because I had a wonderful time talking to my pastor, Pastor Christopher Morgan, about it. And so I invite you to go back and listen to our session around what does a Christian look like? So this week, we're going to be talking about church. Do we need to be a part of a church? Do we need to go to church? What does that even look like? Um, for me, um, it's a place called home. And so stay with me as we talk to Pastor Chris and have a little conversation around church and is church necessary. So PC, today we're going to talk about church. I'm super excited about <laughs> it because for me, church is something that is actually very, very near and dear to my heart. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's like a home for me. Um, I develop oh, a whoa, whoa, yeah. family. Uh, I get to, yeah, for me, it's, it's an, an extension to my family or an entirely new family. And so yeah, yeah. I think that we have so many stereotypes around church and what church is and, and all the rules that have been created around church. So I wanted to talk today about really what church is supposed to be. So let's mm. start with, is it a body or is it a place? All right. Yeah. So it's so a great question because a lot of people think they, that church is just the building, you know. Uh, so, all right, let's just get it out in the open. Obviously, the building, we call the building the church, you know, because that's where the church people then go. Right. right. So we can still call it the church, but, but it is more than a building then. Um, because, especially like nowadays, we're realizing we can have church and be church anywhere, spread out, right? We have hundreds, hundreds, hundreds watching, thousands watching all these different churches all over the place. And it's just absolutely amazing. Churches, churches being redefined even more so out of, the, out of the building. And I love it. Go for God loves it because it's a new expression. So church is definitely uh, an, a, a body. Um, you know, the, the Bible gives us this, this analogy of the church being a body, like, like our physical bodies. Then it says, so each, each of us, you know, once you're a Christian, you know, once you believe in Jesus, and you say, well, I believe in Jesus, I want a place that I can go and worship Jesus, right? Uh, then you go to a, a body, and, you know, so the Bible says that we're all a part of that body. So we're all a, so church is really this, you know, organic, dynamic place that's of uh, many, many, many bodies 
many people that become one body. So it says many parts that are in this one. So, so yeah, church is all of us that come together. So, you know, like our stories, we just started out of the house with, with a couple of people, right? A handful of people. Then we just grew a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. We just, we're still trying to and um, pushing to add to our body, to add to our family. You know, I love what you said the most. I like the family thing, um, you know, because here's what happens. Not only did he give us the analogy of our body, but then he also said, and tells us to play our part in that body. But <clears throat> he also calls us, uh, you know, family. He says that we're all his children. And he kind of says, well, if all, we're all children, we have the same daddy. Then we all need to be family. You know, so I, I believe that our church and that churches are really should be a family. Uh, people that, you know, all kind of different people coming together, you know, and uh, finding family. So we have our biological family. And then, like you said before, you have a spiritual family. You have a place that you belong. And I'm talking real stuff here. I'm talking you. You come in uh, as a single woman and you find brothers, you know, you find uncles, you find a lot of sisters, you know, aunties, and a whole lot of, you know, younger, you know, that like you could call nieces and nephews and younger persons you can pour yourself up. So we, we find that we come in in whatever our situation is and, um, and fit in and belong, you know, See, and I just think it's powerful. And belonging, right? And for mm-hmm. me, I, I believe that a church is a very personal choice. I believe that there is a, a, an ideal fit for everybody in a church. So I believe that a church is something that is really personal. So I remember when I was in Florida, um, I started, I used to go to Catholic church and then something just was missing. From me. And mm-hmm. so I eventually started going to church with uh, one of my friend's family, um, his mom and his sister. And I was at that church for 10 years and I did not participate in anything because people were either really old or really young. And I just didn't feel like I fit mm-hmm. in, but the praise oh. and was great. And the message was great. And I'm the kind of person that I have to get involved to really feel like I'm a part of something. And so mm-hmm. I still felt like something was missing. Until one New Year's Eve, I went to visit a church with one of my <clears throat> friends because my church didn't have church. And I walk into this place and it was like, everybody in there was just loving everybody and everybody knew everybody. And I was just like, this is a little too small for me. The pastor is calling people name in sermon. And I'm like, no, 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 this is, and I went back to the churches I was accustomed to going to for the 10 years. And it's like, God kept tugging at me and saying, you need to go back to that church and visit. Mm. And I went, and I mean, you know, like you walk into the place and you just felt this overwhelming um, expression of love. And I ended up becoming a member of that church, joining and was literally there almost every day because there was something for me to do every day, not because there was this obsessive, um, Mm. you know, religious reason for me to be there. But every day, Monday was leadership, Tuesday was prayer, Wednesday was Bible study. I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be around the people that were there. And so I knew at that time, that's where I was supposed to be. Likewise, fast forward to when I moved to Jamaica, I needed to find a home. And I just, I went and I visited a bunch of churches and I just never felt at home until I came to go for God. 
And mm-hmm. at first, I must tell you the truth. When I came there, I was like, there's 30 people in this church. This is like a small church. I'm not used to this. I'm used to bigger. And then there were so many new Christians in my estimation that were there. And I'm like, I'm far bigger than this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and God, oh boy. All right. And God said to me, this is where you need to be. And I fell in love with my pastor just because I walk into this church and see this Rasta pastor, first of all. So that in itself was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I just, again, I just felt at home. I felt there, there was so much love and connection. And my first apartment that I got when I moved to Jamaica was because somebody from church who I didn't even know heard I was looking for somewhere to live and called mm. Said, hey, heard you're looking somewhere to leave XYZ. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I think this is it. So for me, a, a church is a home, but I felt like I, one, God had to tell me that this is where I needed to be. And two, I, the elements of nurturing my spirit. At first, I realized that it was for me to pour in and for me to give, you know, to build a mentorship program, to do all of these other things, to be in. Um, hospitality to being ushering but then there came a point now where it was to be surrounded by the people that pour into me that if I miss church for a week at least 10 people are going to call me and say you're here or you're traveling or you're sick or you're okay Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I got Mm -hmm. to a place where if I am going on the road if I'm going away for work my pastor is the first person that know I'm traveling and I'm not going to be at church because I'm, I'm away for work if I'm going to visit another church, my pastor knows I'm visiting this church on this Sunday because X, Y, Z. And so for me, it became a place of accountability. It became a place of, like I said, my home. So how do people mm. know when a church is the right fit for them? And that, that's where they were called to be. Yeah, well, you know, honestly, you made, you made it sound easy. You know, you made it sound like a dream. And, and I, I'm so glad that you had that experience. Something powerful happened for you. Um, and you asked that question. The question is, is a, it's a really great question to ask because not a lot of people have that same experience. You know, uh, you said the right things. So I'm just going to repeat a couple of things you said. Uh, you said, uh, you went where God told you to go. It just so happens that, well, actually, if you, you know, as if, if you're being more honest and we had a whole lot more time, you'd have, you'd have told of all the things that you weren't so comfortable with, you know. So I know not everything was comfortable, not everything you liked, not all the people you liked. And so you said a little bit of that just a while ago. But it's very important for everybody. I hope they listen to you because, uh, you know, we really are supposed to not just go where we like to go, but where God wants us to go. Very, very interesting thing. So we have to go into an environment uh, and listen to hear uh, if the, is this where God wants me to be? Because a lot of people want to go to church where they want to go and not where God wants them to go. You know, so uh, what some persons do like you is that they, they, they give it a, a listening area, they go and they watch and they listen to hear what God is saying, not just, well, I feel, right? Uh, then another thing you said, which, which to me is a big part of the, the, the reality, is that uh, we should be, in listening for where God wants us to be, to recognize that God is not just sending us to a place that's perfect in fulfilling all of our needs, right? A church is going to be a place that fulfills your, fulfills your needs. But in terms of asking, God, where am I supposed to be? Uh, you really have to open your eyes to, you know, for a place that needs you, 
And I found that a lot of persons, the deeper answer to the question was, uh, you know, not does this church give me everything I want, right? Is it mature in all the ways that I need to be mature? Um, as opposed to going and saying, wow, wow, you know, it, the, the, this body, this family needs something that I have. And you see, we don't realize until we, until we are flipped, like what happened to you, where you said, not only were you, were, you know, you were where God wanted you to be, and you also found these places that you could plug yourself into and give, give, give. And, and I think a lot of people think the answer to what church you're supposed to be in is in the receiving only. Of course, you need to receive, right? But the answer, the clarity that you're looking for is this direct church. Is, is, does this, is this somewhere that you are needed, right? Because that, that is very much how, how God answers that question for a lot of people. So going, uh, go, you know, I hope that you will listen clearly to, uh, not you, but to others. To, to uh, you know, in visiting some churches then, visit some churches that you're led to, to see, are you needed? You know, and does God want me here? Mm -hmm. So, okay, we go to church, some of us visit churches, and then we hear mm -hmm. them membership, and if you want to join, if you want to be a member, I mean, when I was in Catholic church, I never, nobody ever asked me if I wanted to join or if I wanted to be a member, I mean, I went mm -hmm. through union and confirmations, I guess that made me a member, I don't know. made you in the church, yeah. Right? Um, but so if I visit a church, if I'm a new Christian, or I'm just visiting, and I'm not even a Christian yet, and I'm visiting a church and people talk about membership and joining. Why is, why is that important? Why is it important for me to become mm. a member of a church? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, well, well, first of all, the, the, the Bible is very clear and it says, you know, you are a member of the body. So I kind of always wonder, uh, you know, for persons who say, well, I, I don't want to be a member. I said, yeah, well, what, what are you going to be? A, a dismember? Are you going to be dismembered from the body? I said, well, I just want to, I don't want to be free to visit around and so forth. I, I believe um, that we shouldn't be dismembered, but that we should become members. You know, you know the, the, there's a saying, it's not scripture, it says home is where the heart is. Mm -hmm. And um, the truth is, if you don't have a home, then your heart is not really somewhere, right? And there's this unsettling. Most of the persons that I know that want to be free to just keep visiting around, right? It's like you're dating around rather than you making a commitment somewhere. Um, it, it, they are unsettled, you know. Uh, I believe that God wants all of us to plug into somewhere, to invest in somewhere. It's like to, to choose where you're going to be or, you know, God choose for you. you. You take that choice and you invest and you help to build something, you know. The, 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 one of the main things, um, problems that I find is that I, I know this, this person at one time that they, they wanted to lose weight and they wanted to get fitter and sort out their body, right? And they, this person was, was going to two gyms at the same time and they had like three personal trainers, right? And the, the person was confused and their body was getting mashed up and they were, weren't productive at all. They were gaining weight on, on it. Why? Because one day they didn't go one gym yeah. and the, the, that personal trainer doing legs they then go to the other gym later on in the day and that personal trainer doing arms. And then the other one say rest. So one saying rest, one saying legs, one saying arms. When them go to the other one, them I try the legs with them and them say them legs tired. Well, because I did legs yesterday. So 
not being in a stream, you know, not submitting then to one personal trainer, one not submitting to one thought can have you just in all kinds of different directions. I find that people who are overzealous and a little bit uh, in discipline, in just looking for every, you know, looking for every tree to go pick fruit off of. So while I'm, I'm just a zealous Christian, what you end up being is a confused Christian because one church say, you know, one church say be patient and the other one saying push, mm-hmm. you know, one saying faith and the other one is saying something. So uh, it's the same truth taught in a lot of churches, but we have a lot of uh, misapplication, yeah. right? So I, I believe we do need to become a part of a church, invest there and be fed from one place. Very unhealthy to be fed from all, all kinds of different places. A lot of, a lot of unhealthy things happen uh, spiritually and to the mind when we are all over the place. So, so we talk you know, about, so, so for sure, in order to have growth, there needs to be consistency. Because mm. there's no way that we can grow, like you said, being all over the place because we're not actually being nurtured from the same place, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. talk about spiritually how it impacts us. So you talk about spiritual covering. We hear it all the time. And I, 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 I would, I, I'm close to a lot of pastors, right? Of course, I have my pastors that I've had, you know, in my past from in when mm-hmm. I lived in Florida, mm-hmm. even my Catholic pastors, priests. I still am very connected to a lot of them. Um, my pastor in Bahamas, I have pastors all over the place that I'm close to. I have pastors in Jamaica that I'm close to. But understanding your spiritual covering, I have found, is very, very important because you have to be mindful of who you're allowing to speak into your life and how you're allowing mm-hmm. to speak into your life. I, remember mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody that's very close to our family, um, part of your family. I was talking to one day and I was talking about somebody that I thought was going to be my husband and the person was like yes absolutely that that's it you know I know that that's your husband whatever whatever and then when I talk mm-hmm. to you you're like uh-uh nope even if he even if he is now is not the time and these are the reasons and when I sat down and and rationalized and spoke to you about it from a practical perspective it was clear as day that you were right on the money whereas other people could be clouded by other things. And so having that spiritual covering and know who you're allowing to pour into your life at all times, I think is very important. But I want you to talk a little bit about why spiritual covering is so important. Um, and it, it's necessary when choosing a church because now we're choosing the alignment. When we choose a church, we're choosing that alignment and choosing that covering. Yeah, I mean... Absolutely. In the most practical way, let me just say it like this. Uh, I'm a pastor and I have pastors. You know, well, how should I say this? I have a pastor. Then, of course, he's a bishop. He's called Bishop, right? And um, under him, there is another, pa- another pastor that calls him pastor. That's my pastor. Not very confusing. It's just that I have a pastor and my pastor has a pastor. Mm-hmm. I have a great relationship with both of them. Spoke with, with both of them today. Right, so I have pastors. I'm just telling you, uh, as a big man, right, as a man of God, I hear from God. I all have a own family. I'm picking them, but as a big man, uh, the, my strength comes from my connection upwards. 
My strength comes from uh, those that I, so we call it covering. I, I call it covering because they cover me. I know they're praying for me. I know that they have my back and I can call on them. <clears throat> so I have, I, have pa- I have pastor and I don't see how and why anybody would want to live without having a pastor. Let me tell you, the three main things I get from, from being covered or from having a pastor, one is I get <clears throat> advice, okay? God has given me pastors that, have, that are brilliant and smart and are connected to him. So I know I'm getting powerful spiritual advice that is connected to God. Another thing I get from my pastors are resources. You know, they, they, they just, they know things, they can point me to things, they can point me to people and so forth. Uh, the one I love the most uh, uh, because of the, the protection elements are, is accountability. I'm accountable to them, right? So uh, how, how can I say this? Every area of my life is open to them, right? For them to ask or I can share with them. You know, I can share with my pastor or my pastor, my bishop, right? And um, it, it's, it, is, it is important because I need help in areas of my life. And if I'm, if I, if I, I'm coming close to anything that could be a damage to anything, I can, you know, my pastor, my wife can call my pastors and tell on me, uh, my, the elders in the church, uh, Catherine know my pastor, them, she can call them, right? And the, the, the point is, uh, I'm accountable to them. <clears throat> if, you know, I'll, I can go to them and ask them questions, tell them what's going on, different things that have to do with timing, direction, and so forth. Uh, where, it begin, where it begins for me um, in all of this, the advice and the resource and accountability, is that I've sat down with them and I've told them God's vision for my life. We've talked about it. They've established a direction that I'm going. They've established a vision. And what they do is they keep me accountable to that, you know. I'm not saying, well, I'm just accountable to however them feel. Right. They keep me accountable to what they know God has told me. Where, where I, you know, if I tell them, we're building this church and here's the vision. They keep me accountable to that. So when I'm with them, they can say, well, that's not what you said the vision was. And so for some people, uh, most people, they run away from that. They run away from that relationship with me. Uh, they run away from these pastoral relationships because they don't want nobody asking them. You know, they want to go left instead of right. They want to be wrong instead of right. And, and, um, but I want to, I'm telling you that I'm a pastor and I celebrate my pastors. Uh, yeah, they cover me, you know, and, uh, but they give me great advice. They give me great resources and I get accountable. Can I just say one last thing? Uh, <clears throat> my pastors have also have uh, giftings inside of them that this is just me. This is what I've gotten. My pastors have giftings inside of them that, that I love and that I crave and that I covet. So my, my, my pastor, my, my bishop is, he, he's an amazing preacher. He's fun. He tells stories. He makes the Bible and God just so real. My, my, my bishop and my pastors, them love God. Them love the presence of God. They, they love their wives. <laughs> you understand? Um, they're real. They're transparent. My pastor, so, so I love being around them and I love sitting at their feet. And I love the, the, the whole idea that I have these mentors, these models um, that I can draw from so I can become better. My pastors, um, you know, their giftings, the, the, the giftings that they have that I want, I just pull, pull on it, pull on it, pull on it. So, uh, you know, I, I would encourage anybody here to the, the raw, real relationship with pastors is what makes uh, this thing just so wonderful. There, there are so many benefits 
to being submitted to uh, a pastor and submitting your vision to the pastor, submitting your marriage to the pastor, uh, and submitting your life and your lifestyle to a, to a pastor uh, because they help you get to where God wants you to get to. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So we talk about church, right? And mm-hmm. let's be real, church is probably one of the most popular places for people to be offended easily. Oh boy. Is it because we should be accountable at a higher level or we expect more from people that go to church or, you know, uh, what, what makes it, what makes us so easily offended at church? Mm-hmm. My gosh. There, there are too many reasons, right? But the, the first one is, uh, you know, you have siblings and things. And I have, you know, so the, because we become family, mm-hmm. we begin to have family drama, right? Hilarious. You know, when you, when, especially when you really become a part of a church. You see, if you go to a church and you're, and you're a part of it and you don't care about the church and somebody does something, you're not going to be hurt. But part of the issue is when you get, when you invest in, a, in, a, in people and so on and so forth, with family, Feelings are just so much deeper to me, uh, you know. So because we become family, <laughs> right? Uh, it, everything hurts a little bit more because because we want to belong there, we want to feel. So that's one of the things. It's it's a deeper feeling, uh, but the benefits are you know are are great. Um, I think another reason why we we get so hurt in church because we do have this this big expectation, you know. We do have this expectation. Everybody's trying to. Be like Jesus, you know, but he's trying to be good or we should, we should be trying to be like Jesus. Everybody should be trying to go, be good. So we kind of don't, don't give each other the grace that we know that we want them to give us, you know, so, so, so we are very judge. Uh, some people in church are judgmental. We expect more, you know, uh, we're not giving grace as easily like me as a pastor. Let me tell you something as much as my, I believe the, the members of my church like me and love me and, and so forth. I believe if I bump my toe or do something wrong, it, <laughs> in other words, the expectation is high and it's okay, right? Uh, you can have that high expectation of me. I'm going to keep going to keep doing my best to be at, live above board and in integrity and so forth. I'm going to keep pressing. Right? But in church, oftentimes we have that high expectation, not just of the pastor, but of others, especially people who are leaders above us. Uh, you know, we want, you know, we want them to be perfect, right? Because we know that it is our goal. I go for God Family Church. We don't teach you, you can't be perfect. We, we teach you that if you're doing that thing wrong, you can't stop doing it. <laughs> okay, because we know you can, right? Uh, so we want you to stop doing wrong and we want you to be nice. and want you to be good and treat people good and so on and so on. Um, but it's very important, right, that uh, it, it, being in church, that we, we do have the, enough grace, the grace we want, that we're extending it to others. Because the truth is, you know, if you like your church or you like your pastor, pretty soon I'm going to say something you don't like. You know, pretty soon somebody's going to rob you the wrong way. And we do have to, you know, the flip side to this whole gospel and this whole thing is we have to forgive people and we have to have grace. The big thing is, here's, here's the big thing, is people we're dealing with, right? So uh, it's God... Uh, yes, and God is in us, but it's still people. So we do have to have grace. We do have to have 
to be able to forgive and so forth. But let me say this last thing. I think one of the powerful things um, are, is the healing that comes after hurt, right? I found, um, you know, that, that in some of the relationships and some, some of the issues, some of the marriages, some of the friendships, some of the partnerships where, where there has been conflict uh, and, it has been, and, and it's been worked through, then friendships just get better and better and better. So you and your girlfriends then from high school, from Maculate, right? It's the times when it was challenging and, you know, she start dating ex-boyfriend and this one started. And, and it's, it's that conflict, one of the most powerful things that when we have conflict, when we have hurt, when we work it out like we're supposed to, we become stronger. Okay, so, so church, the family, church, this place with high expectations, there is an opportunity to find more and more and more strength there if we get through the hurt issues, if we fight through, if we forgive, we have an opportunity to be even that much stronger. Because what, what, what happens is uh, there's so much evil in the world and there's so much darkness, right, um, around. And what the enemy wants, what the devil wants, right, what the bad mind and the grudgeful want is for us to be divided. It wants all the good people to start to not like each other so that they don't come together and work together to do anything. And, um, you know, we do have to fight through uh, our sin, fight through our issues that we have with each other, become stronger so we can go out there and kick out the devil teeth and go out there and have victory and go out there and, and do great things, you know, and build our country and build our businesses and, and, build, uh, um, and build each other. So there are a few concepts around church that, um, mm -hmm. and, and being a Christian or being born again, mm. wants us to talk about it. So the first thing is, I used to feel away because people used to ask me questions like when they found out that I'm a Christian, they, they asked me like, when is my birthday? When is I born again? I don't, okay. I, I mean, I grew up in church. I, yeah, it was Catholic church, but my transition has never been, I've always believed in God. I've always, I, I was raised that way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember having any amazingly transformational mm. moment to say this is mm. I was. And, Jesus. and I felt away because I'm just like, why people look at me like I'm crazy when I tell them that I don't have, a, I don't have that, I don't have that experience or I never had that day. Um, Jesus. Does everybody, is everybody supposed to have that day or feel that way or have that experience? Um, no, no. Um, yes and no. In other words, uh, we should fight and press for, for, for experiences, right? But there are, some, there, are, there are some church traditions. There are some church groups, some denominations there uh, that the salvation experience or the moment you got saved, the moment you were born again, when you broke down and you said the prayer, you know, where you were, you were sniffing, the, sniffing crack or you just fornicated and you woke up and then you saw beam cut, you know, there's a light coming out of heaven and you changed, you know. Uh, for some church traditions, they believe that that is the pinnacle of your Christian life. In other words, they believe that that is the top of the top. That's what it's all about. That moment that you changed is the biggest moment in your life. So it has, though it is a wonderful thing, you know, uh, it does make some persons that went through a process like me, uh, that took my time to come around, right? That never does come around one time. You know, I had to get a lot of smacking over my head and shaking up before. 
right? So some of us that went through a process, we don't have that, that experience, like, like you're saying. Um, but but, 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 but let, me, let me let us rest in this, and it is that, that salvation experience, though it is one of the most powerful things that can ever happen to us, or, or going through that process to a point where we say, well, we know we're saved now. We don't know exactly when, but we are now. Uh, it, that's, not, that's not for us the pinnacle. That's not the height of it. But rather, it's the start of a journey of, of many pinnacles, many heights, many, many, many experiences in the presence of God, in purpose with God, in relationship with others, um, doing great things, feeding the poor, healing the sick, you know what I mean? Mentoring others, building stuff. In other so, so if you come to go for God, I'm sorry, but we don't talk a lot about the day you got saved because, because that's just the... That's just coming out of the starting blocks, right? What for us. By the way, PC, what does it mean to be saved? What what does being saved mean? Okay, a couple of terms: to be saved, uh, to be born again, uh, for him to become Lord of your life. They're, they're all describing uh, that that um, a decision we make to believe in God, to believe in Jesus. So you one, there's this intellectual belief. Uh, uh, you know, I, accepting the facts, the historical fact that Jesus died on the cross and that he was, that he raised from the dead. Crazy story, if you ask me, but I believe it, right? Because it's supernatural. So I believe those facts. Um, and so there's the belief, intellectual left brain side of the belief. But then there's this right brain trusting, right? Trusting in God to the point where you say, I would rather you, you be God and I, I won't try and be God anymore. So there's this believing in the facts, giving our life to his lordship. You be my Lord and I'll be your servant, right? Uh, and in that, we are born again. And because of what Jesus did, we're saved. So all of those things mean the same thing because it's one thing he did, that grand thing he did, and our acceptance of that and acceptance of who he now is in our life, right? Because of what he did. And uh, we are then saved we now come into eternal life, right? So we had this experience, but he's now calling us to many, many, many more experiences now that we are saved. Many experiences in now that we're free. Many experiences that only the free get. You know, on this side of heaven, before we go to heaven, there's a whole lot of stuff here. The means, so, it means that I have accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I have said, yes. I want you to be Lord of my life. Yeah, you can't you can't do one and not the other because part of the you can't say, well, I believe in the Jesus thing, but I know I don't want him to be Lord. It's I believe, therefore, you know, it's it's like two sides to a coin, right? I believe, therefore, I repent and turn and go the other way, right? So I believe in the facts, and if the facts are true, that means it changes who I am. It it, it if the facts are true, that means I am that loved. Right, I am that valued. It means I am I am that important to him. It means I am that special to him, you know. And that redefines me. So the truth is, when we understand what Jesus did, right, in dying for us, it changes who we are, right. And then it, and then he said, well, um, I have no other choice but to let allow him to be Lord because he did stuff for me I couldn't do for myself. So I want him to keep doing it. I will follow his leadership. Right? And so forth. So, so, so yeah. That if you're not baptized, then you're not a Christian. Um, I, 
I want you to tell me what does the Bible say about baptism? And mm-hmm. um, because we've just now established that to be a Christian and to be saved means that I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I acknowledge that he's Lord of my life. So what exactly is baptism? Can we get baptized more than once? Disclaimer, I've been baptized several times. Um, yeah. Can we be baptized more than once? And does it, if we're never been baptized, does that mean that we're not really a Christian? Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you have... If you, are, if you are a Christian and you have not been baptized, well, obviously, well then, yes, you are a Christian. It does not being a good Christian, right? You need, to, you need to go and get baptized, right? So uh, can, I give you a, can I just give you an analogy and a story that I think clears it up for a lot of people because uh, it's very understandable that we think of baptism as salvation and, you know, to, to just be a part of it. Why? Because... It's in the same sentence, you know, be saved, repent. I mean, believe, repent, and then be baptized. So it's kind of like this. Uh, somebody is sick, okay? They go to the doctor. The doctor writes them a prescription. The doctor says, go home, bathe, take this medicine, or take this medicine, bathe, and go to sleep. And then you will be healed, okay? So then go home. And it, it's all there on the prescription. They wrote everything in, right? Um, they go home, they say, all right, they take the medicine, they bathe, and then they go to sleep. They wake up the next morning, they're healed. They run around and they tell everybody, yo, you know, and people say, I have that problem, I have this sickness. They say, well, just go take this medicine, bathe, and go to sleep, right? And people do the same thing, and, and it, it's wonderful, it works. Uh, then uh, uh, they, they do a little bit more research, and they realize that that doctor has written a dissertation on that medicine and the fact that this medicine heals you. This medicine heals you from that illness. That's the same situation we have in the Bible, right? It's like we have this prescription that's written that involved, that includes the medicine and the bathing, right? And so there is believe and then get baptized. But then there are these other books in the Bible like dissertations, the book to the Romans and the book to Artisa, to, to tell them, is really they believe in that Savior, you know? Only the believing saves you. Nothing else you can do can save you. Nothing you can do can save you. Nothing you can do can save you. Only the medicine, only the medicine, only the medicine. The point is, the man, the doctor said, take the medicine, I'm bad. So what some people are doing is they're only listening to this. They're, they're, they're only listening to the statement that says, believe and be baptized or not, realizing that the doctor, God, uh, allowed us to, to have so much more written that says, is really not the baby, is the medicine, right? But as far as I'm concerned, though, I think you need to be it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? If the doctor said, babe, go and be it. In other words, uh, here, is, here is the issue. The Bible says that, that baptism is a command. Okay, it's not a suggestion, right? right? So maybe the nature of the illness demands that, uh, you know, you take the medicine because the medicine is what heals, but you should really, you know, bathe the wound and go to sleep kind of thing. Bathe off and be fresh and go to sleep. So uh, what I found is that when I I find Christians that are telling me they don't want to be baptized, I question whether they took the medicine. Because I'm saying, why you don't want to bathe? (laughs) You know what I mean? You don't want to listen to the doctor. 
You know, people that don't want to, people that take long to be baptized, to me, it's an indication, not so much of their belief, but of of their Lord, of if he's Lord of their life. So I said to people, listen, you need to get baptized as, as, as soon as possible, right? Because he commanded you. So how, so those that are believing, those that are Christians that have not yet been baptized, I believe you're saved enough to go to heaven, right? You're going to go to heaven, but you need to be obedient and you need to, you know, do what God has said. I believe that there's a lot waiting for us in obedience, you know, not just in belief. So let your obedience to be baptized, uh, you, know, you know, open up the, a door or a window of blessings and favor from God. Hurry up and be obedient. You know, there's a lot waiting, I believe, on, on, on obedience. So what does baptism actually represent? So, for example, like I said, I mm-hmm. is that okay? Mm-hmm. And what would cause somebody to, to be baptized more than once? I can talk about my experience. Um, mm-hmm. I got baptized in Florida um, out of obedience because, like I said, I grew up in the Catholic Church. You know? So we, have, we get christened as a baby, communion, confirmation, that's our process. Mm. So when I started going to Florida Bible, I got baptized out of obedience. Mm -hmm. When I came home to Jamaica, I got baptized again because I felt like I was moving into a new season. And it was just something I felt moved to do. I didn't have a reason to, to do it really. It was just something in my spirit said, you need to go and do this. Um, so is it okay to be baptized more than once? And what does baptism actually represent? And um, well, yeah, let me start with those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there are, there, there are, there are s- several scenarios um, in which I don't re-baptize persons. Okay. Uh, you know, some examples, um, you know, some persons, you know, they, they feel like, well, I want to be, you know, so they were baptized before and then they went and they did something wrong. So they feel like, well, I want to get baptized because I feel like I need to wash off the sins and so on, so on, so on. Oh, my. So when, right, that's so, my story. But I don't think that's what happened to you. But, but, but it's not, not a matter of feeling new, but, but they actually felt that they would not be new right. if, it were, if, if it's not the water. Yeah. So when I, when, if I don't think somebody is uh, absolutely clear, <laughs> right, that baptism is not going to save you, yeah. but it, right then I don't rebaptize them, you know, and so forth, you know. But there are the in the the very essence of what baptism is, right? You see, check this out. Uh, before there was Christian baptism, the baptism of Jesus. Uh, there was John's baptism, okay, which was a baptism of repentance, right? And before there was John's baptism, there was Jewish, what they call proselyte baptism. When somebody, they, they weren't a Jew, they weren't an Israelite, they weren't a Jew. But let's say they got, they married in, or them city Jews, them, them, them loved, they fought, fell in love with the, the one God and they wanted to be a Jew. They would get baptized, right? right? Um, as a sign that they're accepting the faith and so on, so on, so on. Uh, you know, there are different types of baptisms, right? Uh, and the other types of baptisms are great. There ain't nothing wrong with them. Right. So, you know, their the, the baptism of repentance wasn't an actual washing away. It was a sign. 
right? That's saying, I just don't want that old life anymore and so forth. So, uh, you know, the, I believe that there are several reasons to say, you know, I, I, want, I, want to, I want to enact, I want to identify with what Jesus did for me. You know, I want to, you know, go under the water, which symbolizes being buried with him and come out of the water, which symbolizes being resurrected. I want to be resurrected. If you want to be resurrected, I'll baptize you. If you want to be re resurrected, I'll baptize you. My mother is in you know, the same situation as you. She, she, grew up, she grew up and she went to the, to the Immaculate in, in Trinidad and Tobago, the, the Immaculate version, the Trinidad version of Immaculate, the Catholic, uptown Catholic school in Trinidad. And she, and she said she, there she, 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 she became a Christian as a teenager and heard about baptism and she ran off and hid from her daddy because her father was wasn't into that kind of free Christianity thing mm -hmm. and she hid and she got baptized so as a teenager she hid and got baptized years and years and years later you know 50 years later you know she says she just wants to be resurrected she wants a new she wants to symbolize something new in a new stage in her life and so forth. And she allowed me, she asked me if I would baptize her. And I thought it was amazing. You know, uh, you know baptism, to, to, to say I'm coming back to the fold, like proselyte baptism. Baptism that just says, you know, I've gotten myself into some stuff that I want to put behind me, not what, washing it off, but I want to die to that stuff. And I want a symbol of now saying I'm coming alive. That's, that's a biblical paradigm of baptism. Uh, but in terms of, the, you know, baptism in Christ, that really only has to happen once, uh, you know, but, but I do believe that people can be rebaptized. Some people, when they, when they change a church, especially after being in a church for a long time, like let's say they grow up church and they come into a new church, they would do it, uh, you know, as a, as a sign and as a ushering in a, a season of newness and so forth. So, so yeah, I would say sure. And I like when you talked about leaving a church a while ago, and I actually want to talk about that because I found um, in the church world, this has actually become a bone of contention because I've seen mm. people, have left, people that have served in leadership of a church, leaves a church and starts a new church. And, you know, church people talk because that's mm. people, like you said. Um, so when I'm leaving a church, especially from a leadership perspective, and mm -hmm. to either start another church or go and serve at another church um, mm. after having made a commitment and become a member. And again, like I said, in leadership positions at a church, I mean, obviously there's nothing, you can't stop me from leaving, but is there a right way to do things? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> uh, I would say for sure, so at whatever level somebody is in a body, you know, membership is really, membership is such a heavy covenant and it's such a heavy partnership, you know, we belong to each other and so forth. So just looking at it relationally, uh, it, we want to keep every relationship in our life right. We have to, we have to be righteous in every relationship, especially with good people, God, godly people. Um, you know, so, so I would say to leaders and persons that are, you know, well, they start going to church, then you realize they don't want to be at the church and they're not going to church. I would say you, you definitely want to do it right. You know, and the, the best way to do that is to speak to a pastor about it. Speak to the, the senior pastor, maybe, or speak to another pastor about uh, 
how you're feeling about moving and so on, so on, so on, so on. And um, really, the only reason we should leave where God has sent us is if God is sending us somewhere else. So when somebody come and tell me, God's sending me somewhere else, I can't send them. So what if I'm sending you, what are you going to do? I, I can't, you know. Uh, and I have mourned the loss of many that have left because they say God has sent. But, I, but I've learned that I have to release. So, you know, they have to release. So once you go and have a conversation, um, what some people do, the problem is, some people really are leaving because God sent them. Some people even can't invest. So they can't have a, a good conversation where they're not lying. Some people leaving because they feel like they're not being fed here. and They're leaving because they don't, they, they don't want to do what it takes to be help build this church to the place where, where that other churches they want to go to it already is. You know, some people aren't builders, so they leave. Some people are complainers, not contributors, so they leave. You know, some people have, are just thin-skinned and don't have grace, so they leave. Uh, so first of all, I would say, Check your heart, check your intentions, because if you leave somewhere that God has sent you to go somewhere else, you'll always be in the wrong place. And a lot of people expect to get right things, expect things to be right when they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm not saying God isn't sending you somewhere, but make sure you go at the right time. Make sure it's him sending you, you know. So once we can get those questions answered, you know, and have a strong conversation, that really, really helps. So I think it's important for us to reiterate that being a part of a church body or a church family is really about relationship. And the same way that we would want the courtesy of any relationship, if there's a disagreement or a falling out or a separation, mm -hmm. communication is important. And so mm -hmm. it's not any different in church. Being able to have an open, honest communication is very important because that those are the things that help to avoid um you know, any type of grievance or, or, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, or, or any of that. Um, what was said earlier? Um, any, any, any kind of animosity in any way. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, next, so a big part of church for me is worship. Now, again, I grew up in Catholic church and so singing hymns, there are three hymns that I love from the Catholic Church, and I wish that they would sing them every Sunday. So, literally, I would wish that they would sing them every Sunday because those are the things that I like. Now, when I come to church, I have friends that don't come to church until sermon starts. And for me, if I make praise and worship, I am totally out of whack for the entire service. And better I'm going to mm -hmm. do something like go work in a hospitality or go usher or go do something because I've checked out at that point if I'm not a friend. Mm -hmm. Praise and worship. So I remember when Go For God started and we were a young church and, you know, we'd sing and everybody would have a good time. We'd clap hands and we'd sing. And then as we started to grow, we stop. We move from praise and we, we move from clapping and singing and having praise to actually worshiping. And I know that sometimes, especially for a new Christian, when you walk into a church and people are hung up in the air and people are falling upon the ground in the spirit and mm. all of these things during worship, people get a little bit overwhelmed um, because they see everything <laughs> that's happening around them and not understanding that worship is actually a personal experience and a personal encounter mm. 
being able to release and let go and not what anybody not care what anybody else thinks or how anybody mm. else and you know because if you walk in and you see somebody who is in the spirit and having all this this experience doesn't mean that your way of worshiping is necessarily any less than theirs because that's not mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that's not how you encounter God. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, how would we encourage somebody that is, you know, new to church, or even somebody that has been in church for a long time, you know? And this is this is a conversation for another day. But even going into spiritual gifts, um, and we're definitely going to do a deep dive into spiritual gifts because, as much as I think that I have a very <laughs> close relationship with God, I can't speak in tongues. I've tried. I've, I've, yeah. so whatever. I just, that's not one of my gifts. And at one point, it used to bother me. But because I, I did start to feel insecurity about it, I did start to feel insecurity around how she just come to church and she has speaking her tongues already. And, and I've been here for how long and that's not one of my gifts. Um, and I had to realize again that my relationship is not dictated by anybody else's and likewise my worship is not dictated by anybody else's so what can what can we say to people that are coming to church for, for the first time and that are ex- being exposed to worship um to not get overwhelmed and to understand that it's you know personal yeah yeah um well i learned something in my party in this and in my club days, my session days, remember them days? I used to go house party days. No, I don't know. You don't know what I'm talking about? Yes, you do. I saw you. I saw you there. <laughs> so I learned something in my session days. And is that there are different types of people, right? And the thing about a session is you could be, you could be whatever kind of person you were. You had some people that were right by the DJ booth. You know, in the DJ, they were DJs themselves, or you know, you're right there, you're looking at what is playing, and you're all about the DJ and all about what they're playing, and you want them clash and you want all that. Right. Then you have that type that 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 go and stand up by the speaker box and they're there to listen to the music and to feel the bass running through them bones. And then, then you had the others that were on the dance floor, right? That were doing them one step. Right. Then you had those. Like, like Catherine, no. Then you had those like us that we were dancing. So we are one on everything, right? You, you, you have different types, you know. Um, then I discovered that when, you know, when it, when it moved to like a club kind of a thing, everybody was kind of subjected to this. Everybody dancing, it's like one big dance floor. And if you don't like Calypso, then you're not enjoying yourself. But if you like reggae, then you're enjoying yourself. Then if you like disco and so on. The church is kind of like that where uh, we move out of this personal preference. This wonderful opportunity we have to have personal preference in this relationship with God and the way we would worship him at home, the way we would worship when we are by ourselves, which is amazing, which is wonderful, right? We have that gift to where we come into this corporate experience that we have to kind of submit ourselves to. And it's either we're going to like it or not, either we're going to like the song or not, right? Me and my friend, then when Calypso play, we should just want to leave our place, Right? Uh, I think what I, would, what I would want us to understand is that there is personal worship where we get to worship in our own preference and we get to go in as deep as we can and so forth. Then there's corporate worship where we have to, we have to submit to the corporate vibe 
And then also realize that it's really just about us and God there anyway. So we have to mature to the point where whatever is happening, corp- happening corporately, we can, we can enter in pri- personally. Very challenging thing to do. But, let, but here's what happened. Let me see what I, 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 I saw. I remember a, a, a young lady, she, just come, she, started to go, she started to come to go for God, just like you were saying. She started come right as I started to preach, time it perfectly. As soon as I come up to preach, it's like, this is she walking, like if she was outside in the car waiting or something. She doesn't want to hear Pastor Chris. She doesn't want to hear nothing else. And then I remember her moving from that after a couple of weeks to where she would come, come early and then she would just be sitting down. Other things were drawing her to church. Yeah. She saw people before church. She got to the, so she come and she just lived through it. And she sat down during the worship because she, she grew up Catholic, right? And she just sat down and she had a long talk, a long show to the loudness and the da-da-da. After a little while, um, I, I noticed her in her seat, kind of just, you know, and she's getting to learn the songs and she's getting to know it and she start to dance. Because up on stage, we'd up on a full, it's like, it's like it's a dance floor and everybody just gets sucked in. Then I saw her start to stand. Then after a while, I saw her, you know, you know, let herself go and really get into it. Some of it is, is learning the culture of the corporate and submitting to it, right? Um, something really uh, changed my life when I moved abroad and my, all of my friends, they went to Trinidad Carnival. These are the same guys that don't like, that never like Calypso music. My crew that were like a disco crew, hip hop crew, them gone, them gone carnival and I see them chipping down the road in a tights and no shirt and all that kind of things. And I said to them, and I realized that a culture, even though it's not what you're used to, can take you over, right? They were taken over by the Calypso. And I would, I would say, if you go to a church that is more, it's almost harder to go to a church that's slower and less than you are than it is to go to a church that's doing more you know, and more expressive. Yeah. I would hope that you're at a church that's more expressive, that you can allow yourself to give yourself to the, ex, the high expression. I go for God Family Church. It, what, 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 what is happening to us is that we have a, is, just, is a lot of young people come to our church, younger than Catherine. You understand? Younger than me, younger than Catherine. So we have a lot of younger people. And the, 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 the church expression is saying is, is remaining and staying and being very radical and very expressive, you know. Um, so we would hope, I would hope that we would mature uh, to where in worship it's just us and God, that we would mature to a place where we adapt to the culture God has called us to, you know, uh, to where there is a full expression. So different churches are different. Some churches get down with them just to the one step. Some churches don't do anything. And other churches are fully free, a full expression, dressing comfortably so that they can let go. People crying, you know, people really pressing to feel the presence of God, uh, um, you know, trying to get as much as they can from God in that moment because it's so wonderful, because it's so amazing. So I hope that, I hope that people find that. I hope that they find the full release, that they find God in the middle of it uh, and that they enjoy themselves in worship. So my last question for today, because we're going mm-hmm. into a lot more next week. Next week, we're going into some real things. We're going to be about money. Um, uh, and we know that okay. money is a hot, hot topic in, in this Christian walk. Um, yeah, yeah. 
But my last question is, and I'll recap while asking the question, is that mm-hmm. we talked about church. We talked about the fact that church is about a community. It's about creating a family. It's about becoming a part of a family. It's about a place of accountability, a place of nurturing, a place of growth. Um, it's, about a, it's, it's about a place where we can go for sound advice and people being surrounded by people that are like-minded, that we love, and that will help to nourish mm-hmm. us to grow and be accountable so if we're getting all of these things from being in a church then should we be looking to actively participate so my view and i said it before is that i always have to be you know actively involved in whatever it is that i you know i'm a part mm-hmm. of i believe that the more i give is the more that i'm going to receive and and that has been proven um but <laughs> What if I come to a church and I, I don't find a space? So like when Go For God just started, we had, we had ushering. Uh, we didn't have women's ministry at the time. We didn't have mentorship. We didn't have anything because it was a new church. And, you know, a lot of people would say, well, I didn't, I didn't want to be an usher or I didn't want to serve in hospital. I didn't want to or I didn't want to. Um, because that wasn't the right fit for me. What can, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's it's. I love when you talk before me because you say what I want to say. Um, you use the term "give." You know, to, the church is like a gym, right? You go to the gym to receive. You go to the gym for the gym to work. Um, you go to the gym to receive a good body and to be become fit to burn some calories. But if you go to receive, because you pay your money, you go, and you're not giving, you're not, not going I know you have some people who go gym, go gym and all them business. That's analogy, actually. And then walking around. So, <laughs> you, you know, church is like a gym where you go and you, in order to receive, you have to give the best, you have to give the mo- your best. More. Right? You want to, you, exactly, you want to receive more, then you have to give more. But people don't, let, because, because put it this way, the gym is, I'm sorry, the church, the church is such a wonderful place to receive because yeah. you can come and, it, the way we set it up where, you know, the, the pastor is on stage and then you're sitting down on your chair and it's like, you, you better to like get a lecture or be taught or some, or, and then we even want more. We want to be stimulated. You know, at my church, I need to, I have to make my people laugh. I, I have to be on, I mean, I have to be on, because young people, right? Yeah. But the truth is, in all of the, there's, there's a, just a, a certain level you can get in church of receiving without giving. But if you, if you really want the real deal of what God has for you, you have to be active. The answer is yes. <clears throat> you're, you're going to the gym, you better be active. It's as active as you are. It gets you the results. So, I, I, so yeah, you go to church and you, have to, you must give, 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 give in, in, in whatever way, whatever needs. Too many people... Uh, after they decide to give, say to, you know, say, well, this is, a, this is a, can I give in this way? You know, is there somewhere where I can just give money maybe or, or just give this? And a lot of persons, they want to dictate the give. And you, you have to leave it up to the coach. You have to leave it up to the personal trainer. So, no, you want the results. Here's where you need to give. Yeah. And I think it's important too to understand that if you see or if we see where there's a need, I mean, men Absolutely. just created out of that way. One day, mm-hmm. Chris called me and said, 
our school that we adopted um, has a mentorship program that has not been doing well. It keeps stopping and starting. There's no consistency. Let's go and have a conversation with him. And mm-hmm. that's not even, it wasn't even for church, technically. You know, um, two of us went and the mentorship program was formed. And by the time we're, well, now we would be about nine years later or eight years later. And the mentorship program is actually bigger and stronger than it, you know, than it was when it started. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because there are a lot more volunteers now. But if, if we didn't take any to start, then we won't have learning. Same thing with men's ministry and women's ministry. If somebody didn't get up and say, okay, we're going to start and we're going to do this, then it wouldn't have happened. So if we see that there's a gap and, and you actually preach about this on the weekend, so I think it's fresh in my mind, that we need to be the solution. We need to be the problem for the problem, which really means that mm-hmm. we need to be the solution. So mm-hmm. if we see that there's a gap, then we need to be the ones to step up and fill that gap and not complain mm-hmm. and grumble that, oh, well, I wanted to do this, but we couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. so it goes back to the same thing in any relationship. We, it, we want it to be mutually beneficial. We don't want to have parasitic relationships because those are not healthy. And mm-hmm. so our community, our family, we want people that are going to be a part of it, that are going to be actively involved, that are going to be looking out for our best interests just as much as we are looking out for theirs. That, mm-hmm. be, um, that we can trust just as much as we expect that they are, you know, we're, we're, we're showing them that they can trust us. And oh, so Jesus. Yeah. it really is about a, a, a mutually beneficial relationship. It's mm-hmm. that, I mean, and, and that's how all relationships work. Mm-hmm. There has to be, mm-hmm. there has to be um, you know, nurturing for all of us. It can be, I mean, obviously we know that in different relationships, we have different types of relationships. We have mentorship, a mentor versus a mentee relationship, or we have a pastor versus a, what am I, <laughs> a congregant? A disciple. <laughs> a disciple, a leader in, leader in training, and you're obviously you're a leader out in the world. <laughs> and so... We have different kinds of relationships and it's understanding too that even in my relationship with Pastor Chris, in functionality, it functions in different ways. If Pastor Chris needs some help with something and he calls me to ask for my guidance or my help in a particular area, then our relationship shifts because now I become the person that is giving. The advisor. Mm -hmm. advisor. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But Mm -hmm. the level of respect is always going to remain the same. The level of love is always going to remain the same. And Mm -hmm. So in order for us to nourish and to nurture healthy church relationships, it's, it's just like any other relationship that we have. And I think the sooner mm. we have to understand that, and it goes back to the golden rule. It, that's really what it goes back to. You know, God tells us after we love him first, then we need to love each other as we love ourselves. And mm. if we mm. can master that, I think that we would have less church offense. We would have mm. less... Um, confusion around what the church is supposed to be and how we're supposed mm-hmm. to feel and how we're supposed to function mm-hmm. in this kind of mm-hmm. space. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any last words? No, I think you're right. I mean, it it is. I think it's a very real. Give and you shall receive. Um, find your fit, uh, you know, and you find more of your function. I want to encourage everybody, you know, obviously we're not doing this just to get you to be at go for God. 
There are other great churches in Kingston and wherever you are watching from, find a church, uh, get, to, get connected there because it's not just about going to church, it's about becoming the church, becoming a part of the church. And you really won't tap into the full release of everything that God wants to do in your life through the church until you become a part of it and start giving to it, until you start to own your church, get excited about it. You know, not just go to pull, but go to give. That's when everything. So find a church and activate yourself, get involved and watch all of the wonderful, wonderful benefits um, of God flow to your life. Yes, absolutely. So thank you for joining us again for another episode of Simple Steps. And I am super excited about next week because next week (laughs) we are going to be talking about money matters. And I know that everybody is going to want to hear about, you know, how we look at money, how we look at managing our money, what, you know, what does tithing look Mm -hmm. like? You know, is it necessary? Mm -hmm. All of the things that we, you know, people cuss about with church, and church always want money and church only want money and church always begging. So we're going to do a deep dive yes. that next week and I'm super excited. So we look forward to, to you joining us again. I'll be, I'll be here for that. I'll be here for that one. <laughs> and we might even have some additional guests next week because this is a hot topic. <laughs> it's all hot. All right. All right. No See you next week. <laughs>